Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Real Joe Quinn, going uh, solo tonight with uh, Rob Sapp. It's still, Bill had to give him, you know, he had to give him a vacation. He'll be back, you know, for the NBA playoffs. I uh, hope he certainly is enjoying his time away from the podcast. I know he'll be uh, ready to go uh, come uh, mid to late April. But we begin with some NBA uh, we'll do a lot of NBA on this podcast as, you know, this is, you know, my first sports podcast since the uh, Super Bowl show uh, last month, um, you know, in Kansas City and Philadelphia. So now, you know, you know, we, we are all in, I'm all in on with the NBA and what's going on. It has been just a, a tremendous season in terms of on the court. Now, I'm certainly, you know, the NBA can't be happy in terms of the recent going on uh, happenings in uh, Memphis, and that's of course where we begin with one job Morant, who is still uh, up until this point. The last report that I read was going to be away for the team for at least another four games. We know we all know what transpired over the weekend. What transpired on Friday, I should say Saturday morning, uh, after a Friday loss to the Denver Nuggets in Denver, in Colorado. He goes to a club. It's around 5.30, a.m., and he brandishes a gun on his IG, in the club, on his IG post. Uh, immediately, of course, this uh, immediately, um, it was announced on the over weekend that he would be away from the team for at least two games, which we, take, which we took as a de facto suspension. Uh, nothing was announced, though. No, no suspension, like right, from an official standpoint, as as understandably so. Memphis is being, as an organization, was being very careful in terms of how they handled a uh, 23-year-old superstar who is the face of the franchise and one of the faces of the league. Uh, and again, up until this point, uh, he was going to be he's going to be away at least four more games, and no charges will be filed in uh, from that situation, which I'm not surprised at all. NBA is, the NBA investigation is still ongoing. Um, so, a lot of, there's been a lot of discourse, of course, uh, in the last week about this situation. Um, it really now I heard, I had heard about some of the things, especially the the incident with the 17 year old. We know what happened in uh, in Indianapolis not too long ago with the uh, we talked about it, we talked about it with Rob Seth on this, on this podcast. In regards to the red laser with, with his crew, uh, uh, pointing at the red laser at one at the Pacers players um, after that game, when some stuff has spilled over from the court, uh, of course one of his guys was banned from the from that uh, from the from that arena for life, and he they uh, one of the guys from the Pacers. Uh, said that they definitely thought that that laser was connected to a gun. Nothing came out of that. The NBA did investigation, determined that they couldn't have enough evidence to prove that there was even a gun present or that the laser was connected to a gun. But the thing that jumped out to me last week was the the seventeen the report about beating up the seventeen year old high school kid came out fully came out. Not the entire report, but because there's still some things. There's still they shut. It's still sealed in terms of. Uh, interviews and things of that nature. You just have John Morant and the 17-year-old going basically a he said, he said type the ordeal. But that was, that came out of the Washington Post and then this thing kind of has exploded all over the national media. Um, it, it was what I'll say. Like, so, 
John Moran is 23 years old. Uh, the troubling thing about this was, there's a couple things. One, he has a father in his life, number one. That's, that's which is scary, considering, which is scary from the standpoint of these things were happening while he has a father in his life who has been a major part of his life, trained him as a young kid. Uh, we see T. Moran around the arenas, around Jai a lot. We assume that they how close they are. Uh, and again, I don't know what their conversations are, are, are behind closed doors. I know a lot of people are getting on T. Moran. I'll get to that in a second um, in terms of, you know, in terms of uh, whether or not it's fair to be pointing fingers at T. Moran. I don't think, I don't think it is, but I, I'll get to that later on. But the thing is, to me, I look at this as a as as a case of self worth and I want to say perception. Uh, we've got to a place, and we saw this last week with the ridiculous, like, kind of discussion and reaction to the Michael B. Uh, Jonathan Majors picture that you know kind of broke the internet uh, from the standpoint of with, with the reaction to it and. You know, masculinity and questioning about sex, questioning of their sexuality, you know, all kinds, all types of shit. And this is kind of what this this situation is. Some is similar from a standpoint to me of gotta get away from. Uh, we have situations where black men, males in general, gotta be able to like feel and have to be able have to be allowed to be human beings. And I mentioned, I, I, I say that because you, you have this young man and who clearly, there are some issues that go beyond uh, him trying to be a gangster, trying to be tough, or trying to prove that he's tough. When, he, when you read the statement that he made uh, at, this weekend, it, tell, it told me a lot. First of all, he didn't have to come out and say anything. Like, he didn't have to. He didn't. He didn't have to release any. Let alone apologize. He didn't. We've seen statements read. We've seen classic PR statements that were that we know, uh, you know, were written down word for word verbatim. That that was not this, not in the least bit. Uh, what I saw from that statement was a was a young man in pain, and not all. And again, we and again, this is the part where. Media, people alike get themselves in trouble in regards to talking about, you know, what he has to lose and he's a billion dollar athlete and all that. The money doesn't matter if, uh, you know, if your heart, if your spirit, if your head isn't in the right place. It, it doesn't. This guy has all the money in the world right now. He has the, he has the sports world at his feet in terms of the opportunities he has. Look at the decisions that he's still making. So don't tell me about like the money, the motivation for him to do well or to make better decisions should is going to be should be on should be on the fact that he has a chance to earn this amount of money. That that means I'm telling you right now, that absolutely means nothing in comparison. And that means nothing in terms of what he is dealing with within. Okay. It means nothing because the money could not protect him from himself. It couldn't. Period. So you hear that, and again, it, it, you, we live in a capitalist society. So I, I expected to hear 
you know, you have an opportunity to make this amount of money and how could you blow it by doing, you know, this, that, the third. I'm going to get back to the part where, to the part where as a black man, as a being allowed to be human and allowed to, being allowed to feel. Part of John Moran's problem seems to be, seems to be to me a lack of self-worth right so he's trying to play he's trying to have this he wants his perception of a tough guy he's not about that life yeah like we know he's not about that life but i say that not to challenge his manhood and i got it i think again i'm going to correct myself we got to be careful especially how we talk to our youth and, and 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 men coming up about the language you use as far as being able to show you know to, to to tell them hey this is not the way to go without question without seemingly challenging their manhood by saying you're not about that life that phrase that language we kind of need to get rid of if we really want to make a difference as far as getting away from convincing young men a jive's age and younger and more importantly younger that you can be the you can be the tough guy without being the tough guy and what I mean by that is, you know, Jai has made it to the NBA. It is almost impossible to make it to the NBA. You have a hard, you have a better time being a brain surgeon than making it to the NBA. To become an NBA All Star and All NBA caliber player, that's like that is the that's like that's like a one in a that's like a one in a billion shot. Okay, from that standpoint, to get to the level that he's at, that that is the, yes, that's that's not he's in like the ninety nine percent tile of all NBA players uh, that I, you know that kind of have ever played. Like let alone forget about just making an NBA, but to get to the level that he's at, that's hard. That's tough, and he should feel you know he should feel proud about that. And it takes a lot. It, the type of discipline, the type of focus, the type of work ethic that you have to have. That is the definition of tough. This guy was not, he was not highly sought out after, like, in high school. Like, he was not, the, he, he wasn't, we were not talking about job being the next, the next big thing. He went to Murray State, <laughs> okay? He went to Murray State. So that tells you all you need to know about what he has within. And this is where there's this perception of what is tough and what is not tough. And you have kids growing up thinking that the street, thinking that being about their life, or their perception of being about their life, is 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 something that should be not only glorified, but it's something that that we that should should be respected. And the stuff that I grew up on with in terms of like watching watching it from afar, I never was in the street, never had any desire to be in the street. But the stuff that you grew up on with music videos and things of that nature and things that you would see on television. Let's be honest, it was all some bullshit. Those no no snitching, whatever, whatever, street cred, street credibility, that's all some bullshit. It's all bullshit. Being a man, being a quote unquote bit mentally tough, go out there, get a job. If you have a family, take care of your family. Do the right thing. Help people. Uh that's the tough guy. That's the mentally tough guy. 
And that needs to be conveyed to Jai because Jai has done, up to this point, has done all those things. He is taking, he is a father. He's taking care of his family. He's the breadwinner uh, of, of his entire family right now. He's that he is the top guy on a on on young franchise that is a is a championship up-and-coming team. He's made it to the NBA. What The road he's had to travel to get to there and to make the way he's at should be applauded for, 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 being, a, for being a strong, manly, tough black man, period. That's what, he, that's what should be, be getting pushed. Instead, you, again, you have young men thinking that street life and things of that, you know, waving a gun, things of that nature, the shit that we glorify uh, day in and day out. Forget about being cool, but that's that is what that's what should garner you respect. We gotta find a way to shift that narrative or to shift that mindset. You have to. Or we're gonna continue to lose, and we haven't lost Ja yet to that to, to violence or jail things like that. But we're gonna we continue to lose. We're gonna continue to lose our, our our men, black men in particular, our boys of color, left and right because of that perception. Because that's all that street life is bullshit. It's all bullshit. It has always had. It always has been bullshit. Period. And you know, like I see, I see a job my rant. And again, I I would hope that I see someone who who doesn't not have a high level of self worth in that that's going in the right direction. And you want to say, well, what are you talking about? How if he's how could he make it this far? How could he be, uh, you know, in the NBA if he does if he's not? It doesn't have self worth. You could be like that. Self worth has nothing to do with talent or work ethic. It doesn't. It really doesn't. And you know, for Jai, like I said, I hope somebody like this is this thing. He is going to have to get fixed from within. There's not going to be. Don't, I, I can't see someone, I can't see one person, even his father, approach saying that, hey, you know, you need to stop. You're throwing your life away. You're so and so and so on. Some shit that, that's, that's painfully obvious. Like, if he keeps going down his road, he will be out the league. And, and, and some, it could, you know, jail and things of that nature could be in this future if he kept going down this road. Someone he needs to be. Someone needs to talk to him. That has a has a a a voice of empathy, has a voice of reasoning, has a voice of. I'm not trying to judge you. I I'm let me be here for you in an intentional way. No one's perfect. You made these mistakes. How do we move forward from here? That should be the message to John Moran. And it should be reinforced in terms of look where you're at right now as far as look how hard you had to work to get to where you're at. You don't like you like the positives of his of who he is should be reinforced. If you're trying to convince him to go in the right direction. Like you don't have to prove your toughness to anybody. Your toughness is the fact that you are raising your daughter, your, your daughter. I think he has a daughter. I know he has at least one kid. Maybe he have two kids. Your your toughness is the fact that you are the breadwinner in your family. That's what a man is. Waving a gun does not make you make you a man. 
I know you wouldn't. I would say this to him, but again, given that perception of what we, how we, need this message that needs to be sent to our our boy, our men, our men and boys of color, boys of color. This does not make you a man. Flashing money, all the materialistic shit doesn't make you a man. It doesn't. And again, it gets back to that conversation, you know, with this, you know, with that was had last week in terms of, you know, masculinity. What is, you know, what is mas- What is really truly masculinity from that standpoint? What is really a man by definition? And again, when I see the statement that he made about, uh, I got get basically got to get some things, you know, worked out. Got to work on myself. Um, trying to pull it, let me pull it up now, because uh, it was a very introspective statement. Again, something that he did not um, certainly have to say. Like he didn't have to come out uh, with that statement. Pull it up right now. Well, I, can, I can't even get it up right now. Pull it up right now. Um, but basically, it, it was something that he didn't have to say as far as like he did not have, like, to me, that was a cry. It was a cry. That, that tweet was a cry out for help. It really was. It was a, I, it, that's why I thought that it was an authentic, uh, authentic apology because it was, it, was, it was a cry out for help. Like this, that, that tweet screamed, I need help. And the thing is, you know, I hear you know, people talking about, well, he need is is the the element around him, his, you know, he'll have the right people around him. Look at these situations. He has been the ringleader in all these in all these situations. Okay. He's been he's been the guy, like he was the one that brandished the gun in the club. He was the one that beat up the the punch the seventeen year old kid. Along. I mean, he initiated that. He punched the seventeen year old kid. I know the, the guy, the kid, allegedly threw the ball at the ball at him, but he threw he threw the first punch in that situation, and his boys followed. They followed him. They, he's he's the one that's calling the shots with that crew, not them. He's not following them. He's they're following him. Period. So keep that in mind, like. He is the guy, and like he, he, you know, he can get rid of some of his boys. He can't get rid of them, uh, get rid of himself. As far as the team Morant, um, hearing that, you know, people saying, you know, people calling out team Morant, saying, "Hey, now's the time to be a father, not kind of like a, a sideshow and or who wants all the attention." First of all, you have no idea the conversations and the relationship that John Morant, T. Morant have behind closed doors. You don't know, if you think that T. Morant hasn't spoken to John Morant about these situations and saying like, look, you might need to just chill a bit, so on and so on. I guarantee you, T. Morant, he, like, T. Morant is benefiting greatly from John Morant's wealth, from John Morant's notoriety. notoriety. We wouldn't know who T. Morant Morant was if it wasn't for John Morant. If you don't think T. Morant is trying to do everything in his power to not have his son lose everything, and I'm not just talking about money, but talking about his career, then you just, like I think you, you just have to. You're not paying attention, or you're not just thinking from a logical standpoint. The bottom line is, John Morant is is a grown ass man. He's 23 years old. How many times have we made decisions? that went against the will of our parents. Like, it happens all the time in life. It happens all the time. So, John Moran's not going to be the exception to that. Again, and the, here's another narrative that, to me, is, is complete bullshit. The idea that John Moran is actually about that life, but he just so happens to be a gifted basketball player, no. It's either one or the other. You, you don't see guys who are street, who are in the street and play basketball at this level and make it this far. It just, who? Who? 
Now, sure, when he like does it seem does it seem like he wants the perception? He wants the perception of being a tough guy, sure. Or don't fuck with me, yes. But the, the I think of a guy who played in um uh, that was in the street that was hustling, uh Pee Wee Kirkland, who was a street ball legend in Harlem, New York, was like one of the great street ball legends of all time in New York. And who admitted that he was making that he was making more money hustling than he would would have made playing in the NBA. And he ended up choosing the, choosing the street, and he never made it to the never made it to the NBA. We did. We everybody speaks about this guy having all the talent in the world. He easily should would have been in the league. He chose the street, and he didn't make it to the league. You don't make it to the NBA doing both at the same time. It's just that it's either one or the other. Period. It's either one or the other. Most of the guys that make that choice, all the guys that make that choice, go fall well short of the NBA. Even maybe, and some of them even well short of, of of college if they chose if they of college or what have you. They don't make it to the NBA. Thugs don't make it to. There are no thugs in the NBA. None. There, there's not. It's like there are no thugs in college. There are no thugs in the NBA. There's nobody that's about that life in the NBA. And again. Just because you, I say that does not make you soft. Not being about that life does not make you weak, doesn't make you soft. You need to get rid of that perception, that mindset, like in, in a real way. In a real way. Now, I don't think that who knows how long, how many games John Rampant will be away. I don't see this going for the rest of the regular season. I don't see that. Um, Adam Silver is not a, we know that he's not a, a, a guy who, who who's going to hit the players over the head with a hammer. We know that he's not that player. He's not that type of commissioner. He's not David Stern. Now, I heard a story from Gilbert Arenas on his podcast that kind of, you know, maybe clear some things up in regards to his suspension. Of course, when this, when this story came out, Gilbert was trending because people tried to make the comparison with him being him and Javar Clinton bringing guns in the locker room, and they both got the 50-game suspension. Gilbert Arenas claims that it was not a 50-game suspension. He was not suspended for bringing guns in the locker room. He said that he basically was suspended for um, challenging David Stern, and he basically he said he he said he got put he got strong-armed by David Stern to take that suspension. That James Turner basically threatened to come after his contract if he did not accept that suspension. That by NBA rules, in terms of in terms of how they govern uh, players with guns and things of that nature, they you know the most that he could have been suspended was like three to four games, something like that. They couldn't prove that he that they, the guns were his. They couldn't prove there were a lot of things he said that they just could not prove um, could not prove. In terms of the, that situation, that he said that never came out, but he fell on the sword, and he uh, uh, he fell on the sword because again, this is we talk about David Stern now. David Stern, one of one of the fiercest, most powerful commissioners in the history of sports. Uh, so, I don't, with that being said, and I believe Gilbert when he says this, when he said that because he made you know, when he, the way he broke down the story made perfect sense. But with that being said, Adam Silver is the complete opposite of that guy. I was of, of, of what David Stern is. I don't see a situation where Adam Silver uh, pushes John Moran to take an idiot in terms of suspending him for the rest of the season. Don't see that. How long he will be away? 
you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think I'll say this: I think we'll see John Morant before the season, before the regular season is over. Like I, I think John, a couple of weeks, something like that, we will see John Morant. You know, maybe mid March, early April. That's my prediction, and he definitely will be back. Will be back for the playoffs without question. I'll be shocked if he were away for the rest of the regular season and beyond, and and and, and blown away. If he didn't, did, did not return for the playoffs, but that's neither here nor there. Number one thing, right? Number one thing right now is for John Morant to get take some time away, do some self reflecting, get around the right people, and I'm not talking about knocking his guys or what have you, but get around people who are going to be honest with him and empathetic with him at the same time, so he can start taking the necessary steps to get himself in a place mentally to where he is um, growing as a forget about as a basketball player but growing as a, as a young man and as a person as a young man will we even talk about uh, basketball moving forward so mentioned earlier the NBA um, has just been just it's been really a, a remarkable season great games every night um the Sixers have been in a number of just highly contested, high-level games. They had a great win against Milwaukee on Saturday. You saw them against Boston a couple weeks back. That was an exciting game on a Saturday night where they they uh, almost they almost beat the Celtics, blew a big lead. Celtics came back, had a great comeback. Uh, so the Sixers are playing well, and B certainly will be in, in the conversation for MVP. We'll talk about that later on with the MVP situation. But right now, the team to be that has been that should be the story of the NBA as far as how well they're playing and all things considered their recent history is the New York Knicks. The Knicks just had their nine game winning streak snapped, I think, last night in Charlotte, but they have been uh, simply uh, like outside Milwaukee. They have been the best team in basketball over the past six over the past uh, five to six weeks, and listen, they have been an absolute laughing stock. Uh, over the course of the better part of 20 years, certainly so, one of the worst owners in sports, uh, just not being able to get free agents, having to be toyed with and mocked by, by superstars with like Kevin Durant and what have you. But give them credit because they have built this team the right way. They are going for singles instead of home runs, piece by piece, the Brunson signing, and I, I was critical of the bunch designing, but he's been, he has played at an all-star caliber play level. He and Julius Randle have been spectacular. Uh, Randle's average on 25, Brunson's average like 23, and you relegated R.J. Barrett to what he should be is probably the number three player on a, on a team that could, uh, that could that could be a contending team. He is a, he is a third option on a, on a contending team, maybe even a fourth option on a championship team, because I still think the, the Knicks are one piece away uh, from, from championship status. They still don't have that superstar that you need. Every team, if you're going to win a championship, you need a, a top seven guy, top seven to eight guy. You just have, like, you have to have that caliber player uh, to win a championship, period. They don't have that guy, but they'll they get their one major piece away from from um from getting to getting into that conversation. Right now, could they they're gonna make the playoffs? Could they win around depending on the matchup? Sure. Sure. With the right with the matchup, they could win around, but they go then they're, they're going no further than the second round. They're not. But with that being said, 
they have put themselves in a position where if whoever that next superstar that 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 is not happy, you know what, you know that's coming. That's gonna be a guy. It could be in B. Who knows? If Philly coughs it up in the playoffs, loses, you know, in the second round, doesn't get to the least at least the, the the conference finals, if not the NBA finals, you know, NB might, you know, Harden's already been talking about you know, there's already been speculation about Harden, the Houston, or Harden just, uh, you know, leaving in general. And and B could be like, look, maybe I've done all I could do for this city, for this team. Maybe it's time for me to explore some options. Knicks would have all the pieces, draft capital, to make a run at, at NB or to make a run at any superstar that could be up, uh, that could be uh, demanding a trade. They have all the pieces. They have, they have excellent young talent. They have all their draft picks. So they have put themselves in a great position moving forward, and this year they have been they have been especially the last two months they have been a lot of fun to watch. They've had some big time wins. They had two great wins over Boston. One of them came without without Brunson. Now I know uh, I don't think the Tatum missed that. Yeah, Tatum missed that game. But what they beat they beat the Knicks. They beat Boston uh, with that with fully healthy last week in New York in a game that they controlled from start to finish, and they beat Boston. In Boston, or I believe on Sunday or Monday, I think it was, I think it was Sunday. I think it was Sunday night. Beat Boston in Boston without uh, without Tatum, but they didn't have Brunson, so that was kind of like an even Steven from that standpoint. Uh, quickly had a big game and go to Julius Randle. Julius Randle has been tremendous, uh, basically almost all year long, but especially since the turn of the new year. So they have been one of the best stories in the in the league, uh, without question. Um, and again, we'll see what they do. It's really, it'll be more interesting to see how they do, how they construct this team um, in the off season, what moves they will try to make uh, to go to that next to go to that next level. They're going to make the playoffs. They could win a round in the playoffs, uh, depending on the matchup. But they're still one piece away. From pots from challenging uh, for a uh, for a championship, um, very tight race, interesting race for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference right now uh, with Milwaukee and Boston. As you look at the standings um, in the NBA, as of right now, you have uh, Milwaukee right now is two and a half games up. On Boston, Boston has struggled. They lost three straight, including a couple of overtime games. Three games in the loss column, by the way. Uh, Philly is what four games behind Milwaukee. Three games in the loss, four games in the loss column. Four, yeah, four, four games behind Milwaukee. So it's gonna be like so. If you're Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, the goal obviously is the goal is definitely without question number one seed because you don't want you don't want to have to go through two of those teams to get to the NBA Finals. As of right now, Boston and Philadelphia would have to would, would, would be playing in the second round, the conference semifinals, right? Milwaukee would play Cleveland. Milwaukee would have a, basically, a, like, depending on, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at this, to, like, who possibly Milwaukee would play uh, in the first round. I mean, you're talking about possibly, uh, you know, Atlanta, uh, or Toronto or Washington, you know, Milwaukee in second round, Cleveland or New York. So that number one seed, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference is everything this year. Everything that number one seed, because the East is so top heavy. And even, you know, even 
Brooklyn has played well. Miami is always a pain in the ass. Uh, we talk, we all talked about the Knicks and and Cleveland again. Cleveland, Donovan Mitchell can be you know can be a problem in the playoffs. And Cleveland uh, is forty one and twenty six right now. Uh, forty one and twenty six, and a very a, we know they're a great defensive team. So that number one seed is everything in, in the Eastern Conference. As far as the West goes, again, I I, I don't I don't know what's what's going to happen in the West. Like I I I picked Denver to win the West before the season started. They are uh, Denver as we stand right now is going to be the number one seed. That's not without without question. But Denver, you know, excuse me, Denver could play Golden State in the first round. Okay, that's on the table. Or the Clippers in the first round. Or the Lakers in the first round. Like Denver, the Western Conference is is so up in the air right now. Would I like? Would I lean towards Phoenix? Do I think Phoenix has the best talent on paper and should be slightly favored? Sure. But they, their warfare is very small, very slim. And I know they can score with anybody. I know Durant has been spectacular since he got to, got to Phoenix shooting close to 70%, averaging about 26 and 7, has fit seamlessly with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, as we knew he would. I mean, Durant could fit anywhere with any offense, any team. That's just how you know he's just a perfect fit in terms of his style of play. It doesn't doesn't need the ball. Uh, can can do everything as an offensive player, as a as an offensive weapon. So we we knew that what that fit would look like, and they him and Booker have been just together. That that is um probably the best duo. I probably the best duo in the NBA right now. Those two, but they have a lot of question marks. Uh, watching that Dallas game, which was an exciting game, they teams went out. Of, Dallas went out of their way to leave to read to leave this uh, ball open, and the and then some other jump shooters open. Um, so can Chris Paul make enough jump shots this year, especially in the playoffs? Uh, eh, I don't know. I don't know. They have a lot. They they like they. We know what we're going to get out of Durant. Know what we're going to get out of Booker. Uh, DeAndre Aiden, you know, he's going to get double doubles and be a presence in the middle defensively. Question to me is, what what are they going to do? What is, what's going to happen with Chris Paul in the postseason? Like what? Like they can't. You can't. You have to. Like you have to have. Chris Paul has to have a pulse in the postseason in order for for Phoenix to go to the finals. He does. He cannot. You can't have Chris Paul playing like he played last season in the postseason. They can't. Even with Durant on a the team, they can't survive that. They can't. Like they like you can't have Chris, like Chris Paul cannot be a liability. Does he have to be great? No. But does he have to be serviceable and be able to make some big shots during over the course to win you a game or two in the postseason? Yes. He has to be a, He has to be decent in order for them to get to the finals. He cannot be mediocre. Or like oh, he, he can't he cannot be what he was last year. Last year it was like what he, how he played in that series against Dallas. He looked like he was he should he looked like he was shot. He looked like he was done. You can't get that Chris Paul again uh, in this year's postseason. So uh, the NBA moving forward uh, again about eighteen twenty games left. Um. Well, this I'm not gonna get too much into the MVP uh, discussion. I know again it's late in the season. We are, I mean, we're far. We, of course, we could 
is definitely within reason. Definitely the time to be talking about it as we as as we have like a little over a month left. But here's the here's the thing. It's a three horse race as far as I'm concerned. With all due respect to Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum is not gonna win the NBA MVP this year. He's not. His time will come, it's not gonna be this year. Got you have Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid. That is the that is those are your three legitimate viable candidates for MVP this year, period. Period point blank. There's been a lot of talk, you know, about the fact that we Jokic cannot win another MVP because he hasn't gotten to the finals, or he's not like it would be crazy for a guy to win three straight MVPs and possibly not even get to the NBA finals. Here's what I'll say about that. About that, I can make a case that. Embiid should have won the MVP last year. Jokic should have won it two years ago without question. This year, I can make a case for Giannis, Jokic, or or Embiid. You cannot like you can't sit up here and tell me that Jokic is not having a MVP caliber season. He is averaging the triple double, shooting over sixty percent, and on the number one team in the Western Conference, one of the best records in the league. He's had he's been spectacular this year. Um, now, I'm not one to, I think Giannis should be the MVP. I think, in my opinion, team has the best record. He is the best without question, not even close. He's the best player in the world and without question the best two-way player on the planet. In terms of there's no player that impacts the game more on both ends of the floor than Giannis. Not Jokic, not Embiid, not no one. There's no one, period. With that being said, if Jokic wins the MVP again, okay. Ooh. Like, I, I can't sit there and, like, I'm not going to go crazy and lose and be like, and, 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 you know, go up there and lose sleep over Jokic winning another MVP, winning MVP for a third straight season. Now, do I think it's a good look for him? Do I think it puts more pressure on him? Absolutely. Because you look at it, uh, in the history of the league, only two other guys have won MVPs, three straight MVPs. You had Larry Bird, you had Will Chamberlain. Those three years since, Larry Bird won two championships and went to the finals all three of those years. Will Chamberlain won a championship and went to the uh, the conference finals in both the years and uh, those other two years. Well, I think lost in the NBA finals one year, went to the conference finals another year, but won a championship in 1967 with that uh, Sixer team that is one, considered one of the greatest of all time. For Jokic to go to win the MVP and not get to the finals would be it. It would be a disaster. It would just listen. It wouldn't be a good look for him. For him, it wouldn't. It, is, it would. People would be all over. And even if he plays great the postseason, which by the way, that's another thing. Jokic, Jokic, his postseason numbers or his. You can't. You just can't argue with how great he's been in the postseason over the course of his career. Like the, his team, the teams have not lost because of him. Not even in the least bit. And the teams that he has lost to. Either have gone to the finals or won the championship. He went. They lost in 2020. They lost to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals after beating the Clippers, coming back from three games to one. He was spectacular in those playoffs. They lost to a better Laker team, LeBron and Anthony Davis. Case closed. 2021, they lose to. Uh, they lose to 2021 Golden State. No, the Golden State was last year. They lost to Phoenix. Got swept by Phoenix. Phoenix that year was a championship caliber team. 
uh, and Phoenix went to the finals that year. And Phoenix had the best record in the Western Conference that year, I believe. Yes, they had the best record in the West that year. Last year, they lose to the Golden State team that ended up winning the championship. And they were playing without Porter and, and Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray also, also did not play in that series against Phoenix. So when he's had a healthy Jamal Murray, he's going to the going to the conference finals. This year, they had a relatively healthy Jamal Murray. They are they had a number one number one record in the in the Western Conference. But with that being said, it just would look it would look awkward and strange for a guy to have three MVPs and no championships or no cha- or no finals appearances. Because there's it's, it's never happened in sports. Like you go across and again. Very, it's very rarely that a guy has won three straight MVPs in any sport. It's only happened a handful, of, uh, not a handful of times. You had, you know, Barry Bonds in baseball won four straight. Uh, Wayne Dressy won eight straight in hockey, but when, with a with a bunch of Stanley Cups, uh, with a bunch of Stanley Cups uh, around them, um, nobody won three straight MVPs on knowledge in football. Uh, who else? Again, I already mentioned world champion Larry Bird. Listen, he's not on the level of any of those athletes. He's not. I'm not even going. He's not. But he's a great player, without question. One of the top five players in the league, and a guy who has done nothing but play great in the postseason in his very in his in his very short career in terms of going every year he's played in the postseason. Even when his team hasn't played has has lost, he has come to play in the postseason. So. Again, I think Giannis is the MVP. Again, I I don't take the MVP as serious as a lot of people, as a lot of people do because I you have a situation where Steve Nash and Carl Malone have a total of four MVPs. Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant have two. So when that when that transpired, I was like, eh, the MVP. I'm sorry, I'm not. I can't get all like I'm not gonna go crazy about the MVP with with, with that's the case. So Lamar Jackson um, was franchise tagged by the Baltimore Ravens as the non-exclusive tag, which means, of course, that uh, he can make up to $32.4 million. He can also negotiate with other teams. If another team wants to negotiate and sign him, they have to give up forfeit two first-round picks, two first-round picks to Baltimore, as well as negotiate a deal. But Baltimore, of course, we know can match any deal um, I this so right now, uh, it is a clear stalemate between Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. Uh, the NFL clearly is colluding against Jackson or against Jackson, and also more importantly, against the fully guaranteed contract. They do not want to see another fully guaranteed contract. They don't. They don't. They're not. They that that is a that would be a nightmare for for the owners in their eyes. It'd be fun to watch in terms of the NFL and see how that would go, but it, the owners want no part of that. So as soon as Lamar Jackson, you know, you have teams just can, as soon as Lamar Jackson signed the non-exclusive, not signed, but as soon as Lamar Jackson was franchise tag, hit with the non-exclusive franchise tag, you had Atlanta, basically Atlanta, Carolina, and Miami basically saying thanks, but no thanks. Not even thanks, but basically we're good on in terms of our quarterback situation. Even though they're not good in terms of their quarterback situation, 
and the commanders were uh rumored to be another team that dropped out so that again we know we've watched how the nfl move we watched it during the colin captain's kaepernick situation we know that they collude you can't prove it but we know that it can't be proven on paper or no hardcore evidence but we know that we know it's happened i wonder like i cannot see lamar jackson not playing in 2023 can't um would I give him a fully a fully guaranteed contract of like uh, uh, in terms of full, the full amount of years, well, the like five years? No, considering injuries and style of play. I just wonder though if you see a team or even Baltimore try to give him fully guaranteed money but a short term contract. I wonder if Lamar Jackson would be willing to take that type of contract, where. Again, you don't get the total amount of years, but the contract is fully guaranteed for say like two years for say like two years or a third year being a could possibly being an out year for the team or for him depending on uh not incentives, but like third year being an out. Maybe like a three year fully guaranteed team contract. Again, I can't see a situation where he does not play in two thousand twenty three. I don't I just don't see it. At the same time, he doesn't have an agent. And he seems to be, you know, going, he seems to not have drawn a line in the sand with saying that he's not going to accept anything less than a fully guaranteed contract. So someone's going to have to, there's going to have to be a middle ground somewhere. If Lamar Jackson is going to be on the football field uh, in 2023. I do believe that they're there, and you know we've seen crazy, we've seen crazy things happen in the NFL, and all it takes is one. I do think I would not surprise me if one team gave him a fully guaranteed contract. If there was one team that just got desperate or wanted to make a splash and just say, you know what, here you go. All it takes is one. That's all it takes. Would it shock me? No. No. But the bottom line is, Lamar Jackson needs to, needs you know needs to be in the NFL next year. The NFL needs Lamar Jackson next year. Lamar Jackson can shift single handedly shift the balance of power if he gets with the right team in terms of like he can instantly make a team a Super Bowl contender. He really could, depending on the team. What is in the NFC right now, Pat? Once you get past Philadelphia, and I'll give San Francisco the benefit of the doubt, considering that they've done that. Purdy will probably be back for the start of the season, and Shanahan has been great with these with, with, with quarterbacks, despite not having one a uh, franchise one. Give San Francisco the benefit of the doubt, but outside of that, what is in the NFC? So I think Lamar Jackson will play football next year. Um, I don't think it will be with the Baltimore Ravens, though. I I think that that. That, that relationship is 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 dead in the water. To be honest with you, I, I do I don't think that I you know I don't think that he uh, I don't think that they would even give him if he were to say I would be willing to pay for play uh, play for a uh, fully guaranteed contract on short for a short term fully guaranteed contract. I don't even think that they would even be uh, be willing to give him that. Another team will in a heartbeat. I think another team will would give him a short a short term. Fully guaranteed deal. We, we and again, I don't think like I, if Lamar Jackson, I you know, sitting out does accomplishes 
nothing because you sit out, they can do the same thing and franchise you next year. Over the weekend, um, watch the Chris Rock special, um, Selective Outrage. Um, and again, you know, a lot of people reacted, um, knocking Chris Rock about, you know, you know, how he came at Jada, uh, his kind of feeling like he, you know, talked about the woke, you know, he had a couple of jokes on, you know, the woke audience or, you know, how that's been, you know, running rampant about the course of society, you know, the woke mob, whatever, whatever, whatever. Here's the bottom line to be about Chris Rock. Chris, the Chris Rock that we grew up watching would bring the pain, bigger and blacker, uh, never scared, even kill the messenger, which was not very good, by the way. I killed the messenger was okay. But those three, never scared, bigger, blacker, bring the pain were certified classics and three are great all time stand ups of of in history. History, period. They they are all time, all time. That version of Chris Rock is done. Completely done. Now I thought that, you know, with him working so much in the past two years with Chappelle, he's done a lot of touring the last couple of years. Uh, last twenty twenty two, he's he's off to you know he's touring now. Thought that you know with that sort of repetition and uh, working all the time and, and that kind of practicing on his craft, that there was a possibility that he could somewhat return to what he once was uh, as a top comedian in the game. Uh, after watching the special, is like you just see that he is just so far removed from what he once was and he, that that guy is never coming back. I mean, the because the bottom line is, number one, he had too many, uh, he's got too much money. Like, he's too successful outside of comedy as far as, uh, he's, he's just that, he's just not that guy anymore. He's not, you know, he's not that grinder of a comedian. Like, you watch those old episodes, you watch those old specials, there was a, you know, there was a thirst, a passion for comedy. Like, that guy, that Chris Rock in his 30s, that, that guy was hungry. And that guy was not cared about, did not care about what you thought about him. He would say anything. And not just for the sake of anything, there was a rhythm to it. There was an art, an artistry to it, to what he was saying. He was as well read of a comic as far as current, new current events and being able to make that connection and making it funny as anyone. Um, even that, he, he's not even, like, like these, this, I mean, this special wasn't even sparked to me. It wasn't. You know, the Michael Jackson, R. Kelly comparison was ridiculous. That those are, those are two, there's no comp. Uh, there's no comparison to R. Kelly, R. Kelly situation to Michael Jackson. It's zero. It's not. R. Kelly went to jail and still in jail. Will be in jail for a long time. Michael Jackson was never convicted. Like, so what we like that, you can't make that comparison. And he, frankly, has turned into a safe comedian. That was that was the ironic thing about the special. Like he's talking about the woke, the woke mob and the woke audience and the this this you know this uh, woke culture. He he is. I mean, he is like he's become safe. Uh, in terms of like you know he he doesn't he's to me pandering to a certain audience that like he's you know 
the, the, you know, his to- the conversation, the topics that he was talking about. They're like, eh. it, like you know, he used to lay a lot of stuff with his family and how he was his upbringing growing up and make those connections. Uh, you know, when you, when you have tens and tens of millions out, tens and tens of millions of dollars, it's hard to not gonna make those those same connections. And again, I think that. So he had like a 10-year gap between specials, Kill the Messenger and Tambourine. Kill the Messenger came out in 08. Tambourine came out in 2018. And he was out the game a couple of times for three to four years at a time. You cannot make up that time with comedy. Comedy is, is and I heard heard Godfrey and T.K. Kirkland talk about this. They were basically saying that the comics that stay at the top of the game are the ones who are constantly evolving, constantly studying. This you like this is what comedy is. That's why this is why if Eddie Murphy got back into it, it would be a disaster. He's been out the game far too long. He's been out like thirty plus years in terms of stand up. He can't like that guy is that the Eddie Murphy evolved, Eddie Murphy delirious. He 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 you could you wouldn't even do those type of jokes anymore. But he like, you know, people get excited about him saying, you know, talk with the Chris Rock talking about Will Smith and, and Chris Rock with that joke. And that joke was horrible at the uh, Golden Globes he did. It was a horrible joke. That's why I was like, like, no, Eddie needs to sit down and never never, applaud, never get on the stage again for stand-up. He's, that's, it's over. But in comedy, you cannot, once you get off, when, you know, when you're out of rhythm, when, you, when you've been away, even Chappelle, when Chappelle first came back, he was, he was getting booed when he first came back off, his, off the hiatus that he had. Okay, who you are. You have to constantly stay in the gym for comedy. It's that from a mental standpoint. And those guys who are at the top right now, they are constantly working, tour in, tour out, club in and club out, whether it's Godfrey, uh, Bill Burr, Andrew Schultz, those guys, those guys are like they are they're grinding. They're all they they you hear about them, they are they are all over the place as far as just as far as they're touring and they just, and, and as far as some of the some of the our content that they're constantly creating. They're not, you know, you know, they have podcasts and things of that nature. You know, it's a muscle. And if you don't use that muscle, you know, that muscle gets weak. So, you can even go back to when George Carlin, those guys, like, how many specials and tours did George Carlin do during his career? Like, he, he never took, he wasn't taking breaks. <laughs> but again, the game is different. It's so much money in entertainment right now, uh, that it kind of it can water down the artistry in rap, in comedy, and various others, very various other forms of entertainment. You don't even have to be a stand-up comedian to make it any more in comedy. You could be an internet sensation. You could be a YouTube sensation. You could be an Instagram sensation. You know there, you know there are many pathways to get into the comedy game. And a lot, a lot of stand-up comedy, comedy comedians. Uh, Comedians don't respect it. Like they don't want to be mistaken. Like Godfrey, Godfrey, you, you know, don't call. There are people that that call stand-up comedy comedians that Godfrey says no, they are not stand-up comedians. You may be, you may be able to crack some jokes and be able to get on the internet, Twitter, whatever. That doesn't make you a comedian. So there, some the, the true stand-up comedians are very protective of that stage and of that title. But as regards to, in regards to Chris Rock, yeah, Chris is listen. Chris Rock is one of the great comedians great stand-up comedians all the time. I'm not trying to take anything away from Chris Rock's legacy. His legacy is cemented, period. But he is no longer that guy. He's not. I would I would not pay to see Chris Rock. 
I wouldn't pay to see him. Um, you're doing jokes. I mean, you end your show doing the doing doing a joke saying your parents taught you not to fight in front of white people. I mean, my good, like oh my good, like you might as well put out some some tap some tap shoes. Like jeez, like that's how you end, and then drop the bike. That's how you end your show. So, I you know look, they had he had a couple of moments in the show. But there was there you never got those that that moments like that uh, moment or moments where you were like oh this is the Chris Rock oh yeah he got it this he's back like no no and he's not coming back that's just the that's just the reality of the uh, situation that's gonna wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast of course we have another podcast coming later on this week Snowfall of course will premiere tonight with a big time episode I may put a pod I may. Don't hold me to this. I might put a podcast out, do a podcast after the show. I doubt it, and put it out tomorrow. Um, and put it out uh, tomorrow afternoon or morning. More than likely, I'm going to do a podcast tomorrow, and then put it out tomorrow. And do a podcast tomorrow afternoon, and put it out tomorrow evening. More than likely, like I have to. But maybe you know, it depends on my you know. Yeah my energy after watching the show and what have you. But regardless, you're gonna have you're gonna get two podcasts this week from me. This one and of course the Snowfall podcast, uh season six, episode four, uh, which is called Project Boy. So it's supposed to be a big time episode. We'll see what happens. I will be we will I will be talking to you about it and we will you be definitely definitely uh put that out there before the week is out, before Thursday is out. So stay tuned for that. Have a great, great rest of your evening. So long.